Thanks for sharing. And so is a great story. Welcome to the Kiwi Foodcast, the show where we sit down with chefs, food businesses, food writers and more to share the stories behind the food they serve. I'm your host, Persan Patel, and this show is brought to you by Podcasts New Zealand. Let's dig in, everyone. Welcome again to the Kiwi Foodcast, everyone. Today on the show, we have Michael Garvey, founder of Foodprint. If you've listened to our older episodes in the series, you've heard from Deborah of Kiwi Harvest, a non-profit that takes food that would have otherwise been wasted and uses it to address food poverty. On the other end of the spectrum is Jamie of Everybody Eats that turns the food donated by places like Kiwi Harvest into restaurant quality meals. And today on the show, we have someone who works in the middle-ish. Foodprint is a mobile app that helps retailers reduce food waste and consumers enjoy food at a fraction of the cost by connecting one to the other. We talk to Michael about her story starting and growing Foodprint. We chat about the environmental impact of food wastage and the growing food tech sector in New Zealand. So without further ado, let's dig in. Hi, Michael. How are you? Yeah, Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm doing well, thanks. Awesome. So let's just uh, get started. Can you tell us a little bit about your childhood like has food always been a feature yeah so I think I had a pretty standard uh, white middle class upbringing here in Auckland um the house that I spent most of my childhood in literally had a white picket tent. Um, <laughs> um, but I think, yeah, I think from an early age, I did really show an interest in food, um, often kind of helping mum in the kitchen, cooking dinner, um, helping with baking and, and that kind of thing. Um, and then when I was about 16, I um, decided that I was going to stop eating meat. Um, and the main driver for that was sort of the environment and um sort of from a very simplistic 16-year-old mind, um, I sort of thought, hey, why are we growing these crops to feed to animals when we could just be eating the animals, uh, sorry, eating the crops themselves? Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, so I just sort of um, cut, cut out meat at that point. Yeah. Wow, that's that's amazing. I'm getting there. <laughs> I do a couple of days a week. I can't um, I can't quite cut it out all oh, of it just yet. But you know what? Yeah. I think that we're all on our own journey with, exactly. with that sustainable eating side. And um, if people can do what they can, then that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So how did you get into the world of food? Like you've not you're not trained in the food industry or anything, right? No, I'm not. But like I just said, it's kind of always been a bit of an interest for me. Um, I guess prior to food print. I'd had um, two sort of jobs in food. So the first was, and they kind of came about accidentally in in a way, both of them. Um, So the first was when I was in my early 20s, um, I did the whole ski ski resort summer or uni summer sort of situation. Mm -hmm. Um, So I did three of those going over to to Colorado um, and I ended up working as a banquet server um, Mm -hmm. in a couple of hotels at the bottom of the mountain. And um, that sort of, I guess, was the first time that I saw food waste, like, Mm. right up close and personal, because literally on some days I would be the one putting this food in the bin. And it just felt really criminal to me. Yeah, it's such a heartbreaking feeling. I mean, I've been on the food business side of it, and it's just heartbreaking to throw all this food away when you know that there's so many 
people who could be eating it. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. And it's like so much care has gone into making this beautiful food, and then at the end of the day, you just are throwing it out. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then on my last OE, I worked at HelloFresh in London, and um, that kind of came about a little bit on accident too. So um, in, in London, HelloFresh do a lot of um, like passing out sort of, uh, what are they called? The little cards, um, right, yeah. you know, discount cards at the tube stations. And I think I was actually on my way to another job interview, got handed um, a discount code for HelloFresh. And, you know, I've been in London for a month or so, didn't have a job yet. You know, it's expensive. Um, so, you know, I was like, great, I'll, I'll get myself some um, some discounted HelloFresh for next week. And then when I was on the site ordering um, that box, all of a sudden, hey, there's a job page here. And um, that job sounds like me. So oh. next thing, <laughs> um, I, I was working there. Oh, awesome. So how did you go then from HelloFresh to Foodprint? Like, how did the idea come about? What sparked it? Yeah, well, I think um, my uh, there was sort of a project I worked on at HelloFresh, which, um, again, took me back to that food, wa- food waste side of things that I think sort of planted that seed again. Um, and HelloFresh was actually in the process of moving to um, a brand new warehouse that was, um, so it was all going to be done in-house rather than a contract warehouse. And they needed to really test the warehouse the week before um, they were going to go live from there. And um, this is like with packing the boxes. And so um, I ended up working with the founder of HelloFresh in the UK, Patrick, and we did this um, project where we had two and a half thousand boxes because that was what what they needed to really test the warehouse. And we had to get rid of them, essentially. Um, So they they couldn't be included in the normal run in case something went wrong. Mm. Uh, And so we did this project where we uh, put them in train stations and in business buildings all around London. Um, and over, we did it across two days. So over 48 hours, I think we raised close to 40,000 pounds. Oh, that's um, amazing. And we gave all of that to a food waste charity in London called the Felix Project. And so I think working with the team alongside that project, I was really like exposed to that waste side of things again. Mm. And, um, yeah, just sort of really helped to inform that that was an area that I wanted to drive change in. Um, and then between uh, my time in London and coming home to start Foodprint, I spent a year living in Sweden. Um, and I did, I spent um, sort of my mornings learning Swedish. So I would be learning how to count and learning the alphabet. Um, and then I spent my afternoons um, teaching myself some some coding. So oh. um, it was <laughs> quite the experience for the brain to switch from one to the other. But um I think the Swedish culture is, you know, sustainability is just naturally part of their culture. Um, you know, the apartment building that I lived in had this massive room downstairs where you would go to take your rubbish and you would sort everything. So there was like different kinds of paper, different kind of oh, plastic wow, recycling. That's yeah. <laughs> and and um, so I think that just living there sort of reignited that sort of sustainability side um, mm. for me. And so, yeah, it was just kind of this combination of um, – of my interests really and, mm. and looking at what had been happening in that um, food waste space throughout Europe and um, yeah that sort of here we are I guess <laughs> cool so but then how did when did you start building the app so you learned coding and um, yes and then when did you start building it did you come back to New Zealand or? yeah yeah mm. I came back to New Zealand so I didn't actually build the app mm. um, I've got an amazing digital team um, who have done that for me um, startup success right just yeah. outsource <laughs> yeah. don't, don't try to do everything yourself <laughs> exactly exactly um, and so I got back to New Zealand 
June of 2018. So, um, yeah, just on two years ago. Okay. Um, and just started meeting people. Um, so I started talking to people, telling them what I was doing, um, you know, talking to my friends and saying, who do you know? Um, and that would sort of lead to go off and meet with this person and this person. And then um, eventually I, I met my team at Seven Glyphs through, um, through a friend, Nick, who had used them. Um, and, you know, he couldn't recommend them enough. And, um, yeah, they've been fantastic. So Awesome. Yeah. So the part of the reason I wanted to call you on the show is because the other people – that we touched upon earlier in the introduction, they're non-profits. Mm-hmm. While you're what I would kind of say more of a social enterprise, you know, you've got your food wastage and the environmental side kind of as the core of what you do. Yeah. But at the same time, you are building a profitable business model, yeah. which personally I've worked in social enterprises before. So I feel that that's really important because when you're making money, there is a drive for you to kind of be in it for the long haul. And, you know, I'm not saying that nonprofits are not in it. They are too, but it's important to build something that can sustain by itself and has a revenue stream coming in. Yeah, definitely. So um, Foodprint is my full-time job. Um, And whilst I'm not quite in a position where I'm paying myself <laughs> yet um you know the the dream is that that one day I will get there and yeah as you said um for me to be in it um as you know a thousand percent as I am um and have team members around me you know I have to be in it to to make a profit mm. um you know and social enterprises um we generally stand for people planet and profit and and so it's it's that kind of three-way um the, the three p's of the social enterprise um that drive us yeah cool and i think personally you know because this whole food waste thing in hospitality it's so tricky um you know you don't i mean no one starts the day kind of going like oh, okay today i'm gonna waste all these sandwiches but coming from the enterprise side um, you know it's all just guesswork on how many things you're going to sell you can obviously use your data and your checkout things but you never know I mean I did a lot of food festivals and it was a very fine balance between you want to get sold out but you only want to get sold out at the end of the day and not before because otherwise you've wasted the rent Um, and then also I mean, what do you do with the food? Like, it used to be so heartbreaking, but at the same time, I didn't have energy at 11.30 in the night to (laughs) kind of go and find a place to kind of give my food away. But for me, the most heartbreaking thing, I think once I had to kind of literally throw it down the toilet yeah and that was just I was like crying as I was doing it because I was like I don't want to do this and I just love that you know you're helping cafes with this kind of really real problem so like could you share a little bit of like the feedback you've had from cafes on this yeah so I mean like you sort of say most of the eateries are pretty good at looking at their data and and figuring out you know what works and what doesn't and and knowing what's going to happen on a certain day but um, at the same time, you never know what is going to happen. And um, you might have a huge amount of your regular tra- um, customer base from, you know, one building and they've got an offsite meeting and all of a sudden, you know, you're down 50% and you're like, oh, what happened there? Or it's just a rainy Tuesday and no one decided to go out of the office. So, you know, it is really hard. And, and like you say, striking that balance of making sure you sell out but also you want your last customer of the day to come in and have options so that they're going to get what they actually want to eat and not feel like it's a case of well it's this one or nothing um and so yeah that sort of um that 
that space that Foodprint really fills for the eateries, um, just that sort of backup um, to make sure that as much as possible is selling. Um, you know, and I'm a big believer that food that's grown for people should end up in people and, and not as compost or fed to pigs or anything yeah. like that. And I think while no one has no businesses against kind of donating that food mm. you still want to make some money off it if you can right so that's I think the problem that you're addressing as well yeah. because uh, yes you're discounting it to 50% but at least I've recovered my food cost out of it you yeah. know and it's not all gone to waste yeah exactly and you know on the on the point of donation a lot of the time it's actually harder than people think for sort of the hospitality sector to donate the food and a lot of the time we're talking about a handful of things that need that if they're going to be donated they need to be um you know tr- uh, transported in a um temperature controlled vehicle and if anyone has sort of driven across Auckland at three four o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> when a lot of our eateries close um you'll know that it's it's virtually impossible so um for us being able to um yeah retain some value in that food um drive some customers and you know a lot of the time people will grab a coffee or something when they're picking up their food from food print so there's some added benefits for the eateries in that on that side as well and what's been the feedback on from the eateries themselves like um you know from maybe your early adopters who joined yeah. in how, how how have they been have they been consistently part of the journey with you yeah definitely so there's there's definitely a, a sort of core number of eateries who have been with me from day one and I'm I'm super grateful for for their support you know and and likewise they've really enjoyed having the platform and um you know keeping a bit of money in their pockets um and I think for, for them also what they really love is seeing some new and different customers you know that's customers who may not have even known that that cafe uh, existed um and that they've now become a regular customer just because they discovered them through food print or um you know customers who the food might not be as accessible to them for, for financial reasons. So the fact that they're able to expand their customer base um, just a little bit is, is really great for yeah. them. Personally, my favorite thing about Foodprint is because around that three, four o'clock is when I'm really hungry. I yep. finish work at four and then you're like, you know, you're hungry, but you obviously don't want to ruin your dinner and you don't want to spend like $15 on a meal. <laughs> so yep. it's perfect because you're like not feeling guilty for spending money, yeah. um, but you can like pick up a muffin or something for the train ride back home so definitely that peanut butter brownie is my, my favorite <laughs> sort of three four o'clock yeah thing. so I keep finding so I've set up all my locations is Brittermart station Newmarket station I'm like I'll go to these places if there's food there yeah awesome <laughs> yeah um and I think one of the other things I love about the app is that it not only tells you how much money you've saved but also the carbon saved I mean you touched a little bit about this when you said that you became vegetarian because the environment aspect of it like food wastage is the one aspect and then the environment part is the other so what is can you talk a little bit about uh, you know why this is such an important thing that's featuring right up the top in the app and what are you trying to achieve by kind of having that there I guess yeah well I think it sort of goes back to that social enterprise side of of Foodprint um, and and the the Planet P Um, and I wanted to give people an idea of of what their impact is from Mm. using Foodprint and I think that um, a lot of customer behavior these days is being driven by um, you know company values and people want to know sort of where their money's going to and and all of that kind of thing so um, for me sort of really displaying what your actual individual impact is was really important because I think 
you know, a lot of the time when it comes to taking sustainable actions, there's that pushback of I'm only one person, what difference can I make? But we really need to understand that whilst one person you might not feel like you're making a difference when you're one person that's part of the team of five million New Zealanders or part of the team of seven billion people on the planet you know those individual actions really do add up um and so yeah it was really important for me to kind of um have that feature in there um and so obviously you as a customer get get access to how much carbon you've saved through using food print um and so do the eateries as well and so that kind of helps formulate part of their sustainability story um, and as a community, we've saved, I think it's about 25,000 kilos of carbon um, in wow. our first year. We've just had our, uh, celebrated our first year um, a few weeks ago. And um, that's about the equivalent of 10,000 return flights between Auckland and Wellington. Wow, that's, so, a, that's a lot of carbon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was going to say, because I think one thing that it really does is that it very creatively tackles the education problem yeah, that you definitely. were talking about. Like you said, Often we just feel like, what is, what can one person kind of do? But um, yeah, do you think? I mean, because I definitely feel we need more education around the fact that how much of an impa- impact our food wastage is having. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was reading, going through a blog, and I read this article about how chucking food in the bin is just as bad as plastic. I mean, yeah. I know plastic's bad. Yeah. I know chucking food is bad, but I would never kind of equate the two. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I think they're, they're sort of obviously part of the, the bigger problem together, but they sort of um, – are sort of in two different streams of it. So the issue with plastic is it's pollution, essentially. You know, plastic, it doesn't go anywhere. It breaks down to microplastic. It ends up in the ocean. It ends up um, in our water systems. Um, you know, fish and animals eat it. So And then, you know, humans end up eating it. Um, so the problem there, yeah, is more so that it just sort of doesn't go anywhere. Um, when you look at food waste, the problem there is... Um, well, it's, it's, it's a pretty complex issue, really. But um, the sort of food that is wasted, for the most part, um, it doesn't end up being composted. It's just going to landfills. Um, and when it's in landfill, it decomposes and emits methane. Now, methane is a, a um, greenhouse gas, and it's about 30 times the potency of um, CO2. Hmm. So it, it has really um, high impacts on climate change. Um, and I think it's about 8% of greenhouse gas emissions actually come from food waste. Wow. So, you know, if we could kind of curb that, mm. you know, the planet would be in a much better place. Mm. Um, but, yeah, so I think it's it's really, um, yeah, it's just really important to sort of look at these things as both, you know, being a contributor to um, the, the planet and, and what's happening right now. But, um, yeah, sort of understanding the, the different um you know, way, sort of impacts that they have. And, I mean, we, we throw away a third of the food that is produced for human consumption. And that, is that is shocking. Like a third? A third. One third. Like, if I was to say to you, um, hey, person, did you know that we throw out a third of diamonds that are mined? What yeah. would you say? No, that's like criminal. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, we do it with food. And we, yeah. don't, we don't put the same value on food that we should. Um, and I'm not saying that food should be worth the same amount as a diamond, but it is a really precious resource to us. And it's also really important to remember that when we're throwing away food, it's not just what's happening at the end of the life. Mm. It's all of the wasted resources that have gone in um, to making that food. So it's, um, you know, it's the soil, it's the water, it's the land, it's the money, it's the transport. Um, 
you know, and especially if you're sort of throwing away food that's been imported from another country, like that's got such a bigger carbon footprint on it than food that's been grown in New Zealand. And, um, you know, so it's something like 26% of the world's agricultural land is grown, uh, is used to grow food that's wasted. Oh my um, gosh. It's about a quarter of the world's water is used to um, grow food that's wasted. Um, so, like, what are we doing, <laughs> essentially? And, you know, um, there's, like, soil degradation, so the, the sort of decrease in quality of soil, which is going to mean that food becomes harder and harder to grow. Um, so we can't afford to be wasting it. And, you know, if we if we continue sort of on the current path, um, things are just going to get crazy. And, you know, in, in the next sort of 20 to 30 years, they're predicting that, the world's population is going to get to about 10 million um, and yeah. we need to be able to feed them. Um, but right now we're actually producing enough food to feed that many people, but, we but it's just not being distributing. Yeah. 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 So what is like some of the simple maybe things? I mean, I think what you've started here with showing people how much carbon they're saving, mm-hmm. kind of gamifying the whole thing. That's, that's an interesting way of doing it. Yeah. What else can, you know, like the everyday person do to save food? Or, I mean, you know, we've got this whole campaign now about eat local and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. But um, what do you think that we can do to, you know, prevent some of this food wastage? Yeah. So I guess the first thing is to join the food print community and make yeah, sure you're rescuing some food. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, the reality is that a huge portion of food waste actually happens um, in people's homes. And so things like creating shopping lists when you're going shopping is really important to make sure you're only buying what you need and, and not sort of double buying things you've got, um, not o- over-ordering when you are eating out, um, creating like a little eat first section in your fridge. So, you mm. know, these are these are the things that we need to eat before we open the rest of them. Um, and I think on that also understanding the difference and, and the place of best before and used by dates. Um, mm. You know, so a best before date really is um, something um, that it's going to be past its best after this but it's definitely still going to be edible a use by date is more um, used on things like meat that sort of generally Mm. they know how long it's going to be but I think when you're looking at either of those dates um, it's also really important to use your senses you know we didn't get the sense of smell and um, and taste just for fun we got them to help us live (laughs) Um, and so you know if you are not sure about some yogurt put a little bit on your pinky and lick it and, and see if it if it tastes fine then it, it is fine and yeah. your body will tell you if it is not fine um, but that tiny little bit and I think if it's like fruit or vegetables often you can just kind of cook it right because yeah. if you cooked it it exactly. would um, whatever is going on with it would the heat would kill it yeah so yeah. you could still do that as well totally mm. and I think produce we are notorious for overbuying on mm. produce and leaving it um, going rotten at the bottom of the fridge um, and on that also knowing where food likes to be stored um, so educating yourself on that and like bananas for example so many people put bananas in the fridge bananas do not need to go in the fridge they're a tropical fruit they like the heat but mm. when you put them in the fridge they go brown really fast yeah. and then so people think that they're, um, that they're, they're bad and, and not able to be eaten but um, the beauty of bananas is that you can then when they do go brown you know if you have Banana ice cream. Exactly. Banana ice cream or throw them in your freezer and make a cake with them. And you can do that with so many things. Like the freezer is totally your friend. So if you're not sure if you're going to get to eat something, just most things freeze and defrost.
frost like perfectly fine um stick it in there um yeah and and come back to it at a later date i was actually reading on your blog um there was an interesting article um by the founders of bread and butter i yeah. think uh, on just how much bread we waste as well yeah. and they were talking about how um supermarkets just kind of chuck the bread at the end of the day um yeah th- that so. was heartbreaking and and she did the math where it basically said so you could actually afford to buy way more artisan bread than you think you can because yeah. um you're just wasting that anyways yeah exactly yeah. exactly so um i think it's something like 26 million loaves of bread Holy. get wasted in New Zealand each year. Just, That's in, New just Zealand. in New Zealand. We're only five million people. What is going on? Um, so, yeah, we definitely could buy a loaf of artisan bread. It might be twice the price, but if we care for it, um, it lasts longer than you think it's going to, for one. Um, and two, again, if you slice half of it up, this, this is what I often do when I get a loaf of bread from Bread and Butter. I, um, I'll slice half of it up, pop it in the freezer, um, you know, eat the other half fresh, and then the other half is toast. And it's perfectly fine. It is, in fact, it's more than fine. It is absolutely <laughs> delicious. And, um, you know, it because I take care of it and make sure it lasts, it it does last and it tastes so much better than what you can get at the supermarket. Yeah. So. I mean, I know in lockdown I started making my own bread. I mean, yeah. I used to make it, but it's kind of love-hate relationship, right? <laughs> like you kind of, once you go back to work, it becomes too much of a thing. Yeah. But this time I've just found it just tastes so much better when so you have artisan bread or the bread that you've made at home. I don't know, like the, it has taste, and which like, I cannot go back to that supermarket white bread. Totally. It just tastes of it tastes Trouble. of nothing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and I think because you've made it as well, you appreciate that yeah. effort and the time and the care that's gone into that. So then you are going to value that bread a little bit more. And the thought of um, you know throwing it out would just be like, I can't do this because mm-hmm. I've made it. And so I think that's really important to um, you know drive our how we sort of feel about food and, and throwing it out. Yeah. Mm, awesome. So let's talk a little bit about your journey. Um, I mean, you've come a long way from when you started Foodprint. So yeah. tell us a little bit about the growth story. You obviously spoke about the early days when you were really hustling. How did you get your first few cafes on board and maybe yeah. how is that process now? Yeah, so I think um, when I was sort of you know, meeting with people who were going to be able to build the app. I was also subsequently often making sure that those meetings happened in cafes where I would, um, you know, just chat to the staff and kind of ask some questions like, hey, do you do you have food waste? What do you do with it? Um, you know, if there was a way where you'd be able to make some money instead of throwing it out, would you be interested? Just some sort of really um, generic questions just to start that conversation. Um, and that was kind of received really well and piqued a lot of interest um, with people. And so a lot of those um, cafes were sort of the first ones that I, that I went back to when it sort of came crunch time. Um, but I think, you know, to start with, it was, it was sort of like me going out there with this little PowerPoint presentation I'd made that, um, I think my designers would actually die if they saw it, um, <laughs> cause it was so bad, but, um, just sort of going out and, and having a chat to, to people, um, it was really important for me to, to make sure that they could actually see something. So I wasn't talking about this like abstract thing that wasn't gonna, gonna be happening. It was mm-hmm. like, here's some images of how it will look and work. 
Um, and so just sort of refining my pitch down and making changes to that presentation. And, and then um, once I was confident that was all right, I, I sent it through to the designers and, and got, it, got it looking all pretty and on brand. But um, yeah, just really getting out there and, and talking to, to people. Um, you know, sometimes it's challenging in hospitality. The, the people that are sort of dealing with the food on a daily basis and the ones that I was having those really basic early conversations with aren't necessarily the decision makers mm. and, and stuff like that. So, um, you know, sometimes it takes a bit of time to get through to the right person and that sort of thing. I think um, the one of the first eateries that I sort of properly, or in fact, the first eatery that I properly got on board was um, Ripe Deli. And I actually scrolled back through Instagram about three years to find um, a post that said we're hiring that had Angela, who's oh the owner's <laughs> phone number on it. Yeah. And so I just called her, um, and then we, you know, we met the next day, and um, and she was just blown away by it, and sort of said, you know, do, is this available tomorrow? <laughs> like, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I had this this really cool group of. Um, of businesses sort of on board um and now it's it's not too dissimilar um so i have um th- there's myself and i have a business development manager as well um who yeah contact eateries and and just sort of talk to them and and educate them and um you know find out where their pain points are within the business and if there's a place for food print within that um yeah and then you guys work on a commission basis Is yeah that that's right yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah um yeah, I just think that's interesting because, um, you know, when people think about tech startups, I just love listening to all the hustle you've done and all the individual kind of going and talking to people that you've done because mm-hmm. sometimes, uh, you know, very young entrepreneurs or early entrepreneurs will be like, oh, no, but I'm doing like a tech startup, so I'm just going to sit in the office and build the tech. But um, so much of it is still about going to the people and explaining to them and, and doing that kind of talking and initial convincing because that's not going to happen at the back of a even if it's a gorgeous presentation right yeah 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 I mean you do you need sort of um the different personalities within the business to to be able to go out and do the different roles you know there is no point in building a beautiful platform if you're if you don't have anyone that's going to use it so Mm. you, you have to balance that out yeah and how big is your team now um, so it's myself and two uh, two full timers, um, and then yeah, my um, my developers um, sort of they're they're called Seven Glyphs. Um, they're also based here in Auckland, um, and they there's sort of about five or six of them that that work on food print, but obviously not full time. Mm. So, yeah. Awesome, and. Let's chat a little bit about food tech because that seems to be a bit of a growing sector now in New Zealand. Um, you know, obviously, Zomato made their entry a long time ago, but they're almost a global um, global brand story. Yeah. There's you guys. Um, I read about First Table, which is also into the food tech scene. So can you tell yeah. us a little bit about, I mean, the industry or your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think that, like, myself and the ones that you've just mentioned we sort of all provide slightly different services um 
Which is what I like because it's kind of like there's space for everyone. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, we've not reached a point where it's kind of like everyone's fighting with each other and I think it's all still (laughs) a bit collaborative. Yeah. No, it is quite nice. I mean, there was definitely, you know, during um, the COVID-19 lockdown, there was a lot of platforms just kind of materialized out of thin air. Of course. um, (laughs) And so that was really interesting to watch. And um, it's also been, you know, interesting to watch how many of them have subsequently retreated um, a, a lot of them were sort of overseas platforms that um, were, were trying to break mm. into the New Zealand market where the need was there um, you know and we adapted um, through that time as well so eateries were able to use food print for all online purchasing um, because you know we already have the technology and, and there was the need mm. um, we've subsequently rolled that back and reverted to our original model and we, we just found that with as soon as we moved into level two um the sort of the all ordering um, just dropped away quite dramatically Mm. and that's sort of what I've heard from eateries who are on different platforms and and that kind of thing but because food print is sort of that that different side of it that um, you know making sure that everything does get sold that need hasn't disappeared and in fact in some cases it's it's kind of growing you know um COVID has been really bad for the hospitality industry of course um and and has meant that sort of unpredictability that we chatted about the start um has you know many times got a lot worse um through this time and you know people are sort of feeling the impacts of people still working from home um no tourists you know, universities not being on campus for the rest of the semester and all of that sort of thing. That's just, um, you know, and, and obviously people being worried about their money. So, yeah, it's just sort of really changed um, how things work for a lot of a lot of businesses out there. Cool. And I think on a good note, I was reading on LinkedIn that in 2019, Foodprint was the winner of the Good Food Boost competition. Yeah. So what, what is this competition and how, how has it helped you? Yeah, cool. So it's run through the Sustainable Business Network. Um, and they run it every year in both Auckland and Wellington. Um, and so it's an opportunity for, they take four businesses in, in each city um, each year and essentially give them a boost, as the name would, would imply. And um, that's done through mentoring. Um, and you also get membership to the Sustainable Business Network too, which is a really great um, yeah, just network of, of businesses mm. who, who care about the planet and our future. Um, so I had some amazing mentors. Um, they included Chris Morrison from Karma Cola um, and also Megan May from Little Bird Organics. Yeah. So I was really lucky to get to work alongside those guys um, and just sort of give me um, a bit of strategic advice, um, especially it, for me it came just before Food Print launched. Um, mm. So it was really beneficial just to have that sort of support at that really early time um and then actually more recently what's probably not on my linkedin profile at the moment um i've taken part in the sprout accelerator program as well um and so that's run out of um palmerston north um and i actually also won my entrance into that through the transformation competition that was run um with sprout and also ideologue magazine um and so I've been, for the last six months, I actually just finished last week, um, I've been one of eight businesses in the cohort um, there. And I've had a mentor who um, has given me time every week for the last six months, which has just been absolutely phenomenal, especially yep. through COVID and you know not being able to operate and making changes on a whim and, and all of that kind of stuff. So just um, through both of those programs, having that kind of sounding board there has been really fantastic. So. And I think almost, I mean, a lot of 
funding gets a lot of talk mm-hmm. you know when we're talking about startups and things mm-hmm. like that people don't really talk about mentoring but start, starting up is a lonely journey I mean you you talked you have now after a year two full-time staff yeah and so you're just constantly making all these decisions yeah um and it can be hard right to do that really so, hard and i i tend to be quite an impulsive person so mm-hmm. i think the thing that's been probably the best for me or one of the best things with sprout is um you know having this sounding board of me sort of thinking hey i think this needs to happen and instead of me just making that decision on a woman doing it i'm actually talking through it with my mentor and making sure that it um you know that i'm doing it in the right way has been really beneficial um and yeah you're right it definitely can be a lonely journey especially as a single founder yeah um but then you know i've talked to many other businesses and particularly some of the ones through sprout who have you know multiple founders and you know that presents other challenges as well of course yeah you know, yeah. I've been in both places, single <laughs> yeah. founder. And then when I wanted to scale up my kitchen, I had another founder on board. And yeah, both of them are very different journeys. But I think what you said around having someone who's an expert, who knows kind of, who can give you that guidance yeah. and almost hold you accountable, right? Yeah, Because if you're meeting with them every week, uh, you're held accountable. Like yeah. if you said that, oh, I'm going to do X, Y, Z, yeah. you better make it happen. Yeah, definitely. Uh, because you're meeting them again. <laughs> you don't want to look stupid. you what yeah. you've done or, you know, have you achieved this? Um, and No and Netflixing so, for you during yeah, COVID. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It is really nice to have that, um, that level of accountability, which is really cool and and I think the other thing that's been amazing through both um, the Good Food Boost and also Sprout is the connections that I've made with other businesses Mm -hmm. so you know for Good Food Boost that was sort of a year and a half ago and I was one of four businesses and I'm still in touch with all of them and um, have run some like food print and um, savour cheese competitions through our Instagram and and stuff like that to Mm -hmm. support each other which has yeah been really really nice and um, yeah like Sprout sort of officially over but I'm meeting one of the one of the other businesses for dinner on Saturday so you know having those sort of businesses that are going through the same stages of the journey with you is also really beneficial too just to reach out it's kind of like being a parent (laughs) probably yeah (laughs) yeah I mean just yeah like you said having people who are in the same stage as you Mm -hmm. which is why both of those programs have been beneficial in their own ways because the first one was when you were just starting and that was a completely different experience I'm sure totally to when you're now trying to grow it yeah yeah Yeah. and really different experiences like the good food boosters um, run over it's just a couple of months and you meet with five different mentors um, over that period Um, so you sort of meet with all of them at the beginning and the end and then you meet them all individually Um, whereas with so and and they all had different expertise so they could all contribute different things at different times which was great Um, and then with Sprout it's been really different so it's been the same mentor every week um, over six months and so um, you know I've built a really great relationship with Jonathan and it's been really great you know having him to sort of check in with and and I think um, you know created more of that sense of accountability that you just talked about so Mm. yeah so now that you've been through all these amazing uh competitions and programs um tell us what's in the cards for the future i mean you know because food is being in the food industry or even in tech it's it's like a chicken and egg situation Mm -hmm. you have Mm -hmm. to keep growing but um each stage is just it gets harder and harder as well right so what 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 plans do you have for the future (laughs) yeah definitely well i think with food print the the chicken and egg is also about 
um, customers and eateries and making sure that exactly. we build um, build both sides of our platform, um, you know, at the same time and, and that they're sort of in the right places and stuff like that. So um, I think, you know, obviously we're in Auckland and Dunedin at the moment. Um, the, the plan is to, you know, expand throughout different areas of New Zealand. Um, we're constantly getting requests to come to Wellington and Christchurch. So one day Lots I promise. Lots of cafes in Wellington. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and, you know, Christchurch, I think their, um, their hospitality scene has been hit time and time again. So um, they're kind of singing out for it as well. But, um, yeah, so sort of expanding that reach um, throughout other parts of New Zealand is, is sort of um, the next step over the next 12 months. Um, and I think also um, expanding where you can um, use food print as well so um, into sort of more of that retail space which right. um, I'm not really able to talk too much more on um, but, but we're working on it. Okay that all sounds very interesting. So we spoke about the whole carbon saved thing yeah. but what are some of the other cool kind of features that are there on the app uh, for you know maybe people that haven't been on food print what would you like just yeah. tell them about it. Cool so um, along with the carbon we also track how much money and how much food you've saved um, and we've actually just launched a brand new feature um, just to coincide with Plastic Free July um, which is a bring your own container feature so now when you're going through the checkout process on the app you can tick a little box to say that you're going to bring your own container um, and that sends um, you know tells the eatery along with your order that you are going to bring your own container and you know most of the eateries that we work with do use sort of compostable packaging and, and all of that so it's it's on the on the side of being better um, but those items are only compostable if they're actually composted and a lot of them do end up in landfill so for us um, sort of creating that behavior change and making people more accountable and bringing their own um, you know is really important and it's had amazing uptake I think yesterday about a quarter of our orders um, were people bringing their own containers and you know we're only sort of a week into um, having that feature on the app so oh. really stoked to see that being picked up so well. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And I guess you just have your lunchbox if you're like me and going there at four o'clock in the evening for a quick snack. Just yeah, totally. hide it in the lunchbox. No one needs to know you're having it. <laughs> yeah, it looks like you bought it from home. It was um, but, you know, we've all got like drawers filled with Tupperware and, um, you know, I dare I say it, plastic containers, which are fine if we're reusing them over and over again. Um, but, you know, so we may as well make the most of it. And for some people, it's as simple as like leaving a couple at work or creating a um, you know creating that drawer that we all have in our houses in the office so when you are going out to grab your lunch it becomes habit that you just pick up a container there um, and take that with you so yeah for me that sort of um, helping drive that that change is really important as well awesome well I think that's amazing cool so just as we wrap up, we're now going to do my favorite section of the show, which yeah. is called Fast Food 5. Okay. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with fast food. It's just five fast questions about food. All right. <laughs> All right. Are you ready? Go for it. Okay. If you were a food item that was wasted, if it was a canned food or a vegetable, which one would you be? Vegetable. A vegetable? Did but you what, want a like what, Yeah, vegetable? what kind of vegetable? Um... Probably a carrot. Okay. Yeah. 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 Lots of carrots go to waste. Lots, lots of carrots. <laughs> they kind of get wasted because they're yeah, sort of funky sizes. They're not the the typical long, skinny, <laughs> orange, no nice. knobbly bits. Yes. Your favorite cafe to get a great deal from on Footprint? Oh, that's such a toughie. <laughs> oh, it's so hard. Um, I really love... 
I really love going to Revive in the evenings and grabbing like a salad if I'm meeting someone in town or have like an event in town um, I'll, I'll swing by there um, and then also absolutely has to be Little Bird for the vegan treats yeah awesome I, Revive actually popped up on my thing the other yeah. day yeah. and I regret um, not buying the lasagna <laughs> oh the lasagna is to die for yeah. you would not like because Revive's all vegan as well yeah. and you would not know that there is no dairy products mm. in there it's so creamy and cheesy and delicious they were one of the first kind of vegetarian yeah food places that I started going to and back when vegetarian food was not quite a thing at least in New Zealand yeah so um, yeah I really enjoy their food cool Buffet or fine dining, your preferred option? Oh my gosh, definitely fine dining. Um, after working on those buffets, I don't think I've ever been back to one and I can't just because the food waste in them, just I can't see it. Yeah. It's horrible. So in India, they used to do something very interesting. They had something called a midnight buffet. Okay. And that starts at midnight after dinner so you can only go there after 11 30 and it's exactly like food print but okay. for a buffet so it's a half price buffet or yeah. even less than half price right but you can only eat there after like 11 30 <laughs> right. oh so that's like sleep? the last the, getting rid of as much yeah. of the food as they that's can cool. yeah Good. i used to go there in my um party days yeah. you know like after <laughs> after a few drinks but um yeah now that i have kids i, I want to go to sleep by like nine o'clock so <laughs> all right um the one thing that you must always have in your kitchen oh the one thing i always have in my kitchen probably broccoli broccoli yeah it's my favorite vegetable sometimes it is a meal on its own for me yeah if if, if it's all gone i'm like really sad about it <laughs> so what's your favorite thing to make from broccoli um usually i am just well often I'll end up being a bit of a lazy cook because um, I tend to work quite late and stuff so usually just like throwing it in the pan and kind of searing it off with um, maybe like some garlic and some chilli um, something like that just really okay. easy throw oh. some tofu in there Wow, that's that is actually quite simple. Yeah, that's so good. <laughs> yeah. Well, my son will um, take it one step further. He has it raw, just off. We got a countdown, and he just picks it up, and he's like, "Mom, do you want some?" I'm like, "Oh, no, thanks. You can have that." Yeah, it does need to be cooked a little bit, but not overcooked. <laughs> yeah. All right. Last question: Would you rather give up salt or give up sugar? That's tough. <laughs> um, probably sugar. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It will be quite hard though, right? Yeah. It's in everything. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I've had a lovely time talking to you about Foodprint's journey and yeah, just wish you all, all the luck. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. It's been really fun. Thanks for listening to the Kiwi Foodcast, brought to you by Podcasts New Zealand. Be sure to listen in next time for another helping of Kiwi Food Stories.